Hi, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing Maria's spiritual awakening slash psychic journey. And I'm doing this one because I remember when I was new to all of this, I really liked the bio episodes of podcasts or like those blog posts that really shared how someone struggled through a lot of downloads or through a lot of weird stuff and how they adjusted, how they navigated towards this whole dimension of reality. And for me, I found those so helpful because they were a little bit easier to follow because these were happening to the person and the most qualified person to talk about it was right there explaining it explaining how they got themselves through it how they navigated it so i thought that even if i really like sharing the tools and the stuff i know grouped in very convenient subjects i thought that i would also just share how i got around to all of this also just to contextualize why I'm so hungry for explanations because I've had these experiences, yeah? Okay, so back in 2016, I was just, I don't know why, I just downloaded this book called Quantum Touch. And I was, it was basically a basic energy healing manual. You just think of loving thoughts, you put it in your hands and you could heal people. And the thing is, I was really good at it. Like the first time I tried it out on my mom, I was able to remove these very heavy pains from her endometriosis. So she has some PCOS symptoms before adenomyosis. So that's excessive bleeding. So she had growths on her, um, what do you call this? Uterus, right? And then the thing is, the day after I felt sick, it's as if the sickness was transferred. And the thing is, I was like, I was from a science high school. So I was like, why is there this whole dimension of consciousness and intention? And why did nobody tell me about this? It's like, why did nobody explain this? And then it was short of miraculous, right? That's like how you think about healing hands now what happened for me was that i kind of had a context for stuff like this because my grandmother on the mom's side was an exorcist um her husband talks to god in dreams so this sense of magic the divine intervention was very it existed in my consciousness, but there wasn't anyone in my parents' generation who could really guide me. And the thing was that there was this thing that it felt very natural. And then my brother got me into Reiki because he knew someone who was a teacher. And they're like, okay, they don't get tired after a session. So you should probably take a class and attunement and stuff like that. Now, when I s studied Reiki... Um, ang in Tagalog, it was sunod-sunod na. It was very, I was a voracious reader. And it was that little string of like, oh my God, he didn't tell me this. Like really pulled something within me. And I just, I just swallowed everything. <laughs> so I took Seraphim Blueprint classes. And most importantly, so my brother's girlfriend at that time, 
had a tarot ne- reader named Jamie there right now. Um, and they had a very shamanic approach to tarot reading. And this person became my intuitive mentor. And they were so, they were, they were so amazing. Like you would, you would take, you would have a tarot reading with them and they would, because they're so aligned with the universe, they would have a cologne bottle that smells like your recently died father. Like it was that, they were that deep into the surrender of being used by divine love, okay? And the thing is, you know when you meet someone and it, and it feels like there's this deep soul kinship. So when I met them, they had curly hair like me, they liked anime like me, they kind of talked like me, and they had they were also queer. So it was very like, it's almost like I've been praying for you all this time, and they've kind of been praying for someone like me all this time. And it was very, it was just a match made in heaven kind of thing. And I feel like even though I might have taken more attunements with other teachers, I feel like the person who really groomed me into how I interfaced with the divine was like how they, how Ray really modeled to me how to be a shaman, how to be a bridge of the divine. So anyway, um, so the way uh, Ray taught me was that they first got me into how to read the tarot and they literally just taught me in like one session because it was more about listening to your intuition and understanding the elements and understanding the feminine masculine archetypes right so basically the court cards femme mask and then you know younger older and then the elements and then intuition right so what i loved about them is that they were deeply creative so they didn't just do intuition via tarot they would mix it with oracle cards. They would mix it with dice, angel numbers. They would mix it with postcards. And then they would have slime workshops. Because it was kind of popular to play with slime at that time. So it was very like, how do you intuitively mix your concoction of slime? And you would you could tell that angels and guides were really good at pointing you at the right mix. Uh, we also did like a Lego workshop where you kind of build your problem. I know there's like a certification for that, but we just did it. You know, we 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 built our problems. We looked at our problems via via that creative concoction, and then you you make a a solution after. But you you also meditate with it. They also drummed. They also chanted. So I took. Uh, guides workshops with them and i was their mentee basically and even when they got into game design so they shifted careers and they also had some physical disabilities uh i also followed them into game design because game design also deeply resonated with my creative and intuitive spirit so we melded a lot of intuitive tools to uh role-playing games because role-playing games is basically storytelling and a shaman also heals with stories. It's listening deeply into stories and responding to them. So anywho, anyway, so I met my mentor and... Uh, okay. So the thing is, the Maria of that time was deadly curious. 
So I would hunt the internet for like attunement codes, angel attunements. You know, I would listen to past life regressions on YouTube of meeting your soul family, you know, meeting your spirit animals. So I, I had a lot of reps and reps in terms of exploration. But I feel this is I, I say this because sometimes people want to be able to identify and replicate what did what. But the thing is, I was just seeking and I was just consuming everything with just a willingness to learn, right? So when I say that, I learned how to journey on YouTube plus my mentor. Every night, I would have Antakaranas. So Antakaranas is this symbol that helps you um, protect you in dreams, but also bridge you to the eighth chakra, which is, you know, helps you go out to the cosmos and stuff. So I would have a lot of these Antakaranas uh, on my bed, and I would write intentions to learn, literally learn, and I would have really long dreams of being initiated and talking to a lot of guides. So I would have dreams of going to Mother Gaia's womb and I would be gone for decades because they would teach me everything and I would be working with different animal spirits. And then when I went back to like my actual home in the dream world, my family estate was gone. Like I felt my karmic bondage towards what my family needed me to be was eliminated. So this is what I mean by there is education and initiation via dreams because these dreams felt more real than reality, even though they were very loopy in terms of visuals. And uh, one of the talismans they gave me in the dream was this hair clip that was a gumamela, like a red flower. And in the next day, one of my closest friends showed me a photo of her hair and she had the same clip. So it was very, they were very, very adamant of making me feel that, okay, we're training you in a different realm. <laughs> yeah, so that's, the, so the dream world, right? So that's like one of my trippy dreams. I have another one uh, that I feel like is worth mentioning. But I also do want to say that I had a couple of instances. Oh, God, I think it was three instances that maybe I should share. So one of them is that I had this really deep uh, angel achievement. And the next day, everything collapsed. Like my concept of money, I would go to a mall and I'd be like, whoa, these are all dead people. You know, like the energy of images lost meaning. And I was having a hard time piloting like my ego persona because I was just whammed out into the divine. It's almost like I was experiencing nothingness. And it was so shocking, but it also felt so real. So you know how they say in this realm, there are a lot of veils. Like I could see the veil. Like it was like stuff was blurry and it was like, Oh wow, this is just a dream. You know, so it it I was relatively young then, so it was kind of hard for me to be like, "Oh, okay. So, okay, if none of this is real real." You know what I mean? It's like, how do I invest, you know, how do I even how do I force myself to care 
about linear stuff, about money stuff, about career stuff. If, you know, my soul was doing all of that. And the thing is that, um, so I was messaging my mentor. They were saying, okay, just, just ground, just, just go to the restroom if stuff gets too intense. Because sometimes the, the feeling on my body for a month would be this constant rain on my head. I would look at trees and I could see their dizzying, beautiful aura. So I'd just be struck, struck by beauty but also like they're opening my my head and it was an experience that was really beautiful but it was also really overwhelming in a sense that i didn't know what was happening that much like that's why i read all those books and when all that happened um it's kind of hard to finish your thesis But anyway, so so my mentor taught me a lot of grounding, a lot of like, okay, just just do what you can, you know, and then and then I also really got into reading Mantak Chia's traditional Chinese model of Taoism. So it's traditional Chinese medicine, but it has a lot of alchemy. So I think I learned I, reading those books was almost like I was just remembering it. And then my mentor was saying, oh, that's because you have a Chinese lifetime oh, that you were, you know, you were like a healing master and stuff. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I had like a, so a lot of my ways of grounding, my ways of internal transformation had elemental transformation, had Chinese models so so some people lean into Wiccan or like more Western. So mine was very Asian. <laughs> my my concept of these elements was very Asian. But I do feel towards the four element more, more than the five, because Chinese technically has five. So because but that's because of my mentor. Anyway, so um so I learned all of that to like ground myself. And so when people talk about heart chakra openings, throat chakra openings, third eye chakra openings, I totally understand because I distinctly remember the two days that my heart chakra opened. It was this fiery electric feeling. It was buzzing all over my body. I I remember running to my brother's room saying I just needed like to be hugged or touched because it's like it, I I didn't know what was happening and I was like <laughs> I was panicking I mean it's really beautiful but it's also really like oh my god it's like what's happening anyway um I remember when my throat chakra was opening I couldn't talk for a day and it was because I was I was sitting with silence and I was also detecting people's bullshit so when my awakening uh, symptoms were really early, sometimes people would talk. So, so before, I couldn't control this third eye stuff, right? So sometimes people would talk, and I would see subtitles in front of their face in terms of what they're actually saying. Like, oh, this is the part that's bullshit. This is what they actually mean. You know, it was that intense. There, there was subtitles on everybody, and I was, I was having a hard time coming to grips with how often people lied. <laughs> and then the thing is, I, I also okay. So some of my issues also with the third eye stuff was that um, sometimes people would be walking around and their energy bodies would be so wow, like scary. <laughs> like there'd be an arm, like a 
ghoulish black arm coming off of someone's stomach or if a faculty room was full of stress it's like a male storm of horror you know like i could i could see these clouds on people and i'm like what the hell are they doing like why are you why are you keeping all of that and there's this i was so conflicted before because i didn't know if because if you see that you're like you want to help and you're like damn it but there's like there's like methods to this of asking permission of them being okay with what you're gonna say how much you're gonna say you know what i mean even when you call out people even when you say the right thing if if it's not <laughs> there's so much there's so much care you have to do with these things that it's like oh, okay so let's ignore the arm of your stomach and just talk about something else right so so that was crazy, right? And so I had to learn how to... Because I know that not everyone goes through a shielding phase, but I had to because, yo, <laughs> it was too much information all of the time. And the thing is, sometimes it was like my radio antenna was open. It was just open and there was no dis... And I... there That's the word. I didn't have discernment yet of what kind of information... I need to pick up on and deliver. So for example, someone is thinking of getting this workshop, right? So I could pick that up with someone's aura and be like, oh, okay, go to this workshop. And I'd be wrong. They're just thinking about it. It's not their highest good. It's not the best way for them to deliver anything. There's like, there's, you know, even if you're really psychically gifted, there are skill sets to really get to the in filipino get to the gata get to the core get to that yummy part juice of what you need to hear what you need to know right so there's a lot of noise so there's that discernment and accuracy that you need to hone into when these kinds of things happen right so i so one of my first mentees we called this sidhis because like in yogic cultures, they, when you have these developed energetic bodies, you would get siddhis, you know? Um, some Christian cultures have called me having charisms, but I don't exactly... How do I say this? I don't exactly buy it. And then some people who do spiritual work actually don't promote developing too much psychic stuff because it is distracting. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like it is quite distracting. So um, I'm fully on board with people turning off gifts or really having the proper context of learning how to use it, right? Because if everyone was just born very sensitive and intuitive, people would do less um, energetically fucked up stuff because it would just recoil from their body. So if everybody was in that space of like, resensitizing themselves and like doing the best thing for everybody because they feel themselves as everybody that'd be great right but we're in a situation where you know sometimes you live in the city sometimes you're a seven-year-old in a family that doesn't accept you you know who you will diagnose you with skits or something so it's just there's levels and nuances and layers to this so i'm just sharing how I dealt with it, how I operated from it. 
One of my favorite teachers was Amara Strand, so she's enlightened, but she's also very super sensory. So, um, how do I describe it? Like she could feel when a mountain is gonna erupt, like a volcanic eruption, and the way she gets downloads for her clients is super physical. Now, a lot of the best spiritual teachers have these psychic components. So when I say that some people tamp these down, it's less about you're not going to be a teacher and more of we need to give you the appropriate tools to handle these things. So I feel very passionate about that because honestly, Maria from before was just hungry <laughs> and curious, you know, so she was just she was just gunning for shit. <laughs> so so anyway, um, so those things happened and I would have dreams like, okay, so this is what I call the fish dream. I've told this to a bunch of people already, and I think I posted it vaguely in my other account. Um, so basically, oh, this is so nice. It deserves its own section. So, um, so basically, it was a dream of me being a fish, but that was grown in a laboratory. And it was like my coming of age day. And there was this school principal telling me that, oh, we must worship humans. Uh, if you're good, you go to the ocean where we all came from, which is a myth to us because we all grew up in um, pools and aquariums, right? And they're like, and she was just preaching, right? And then I was with my brother and a friend of mine, and they were like an angel devil on my shoulders. My brother was like, Oh man, she's just spitting bullshit. <laughs> she's just being culty right now. And then my friend was like, "Oh no, she's trying to be nice. She's trying to, she's trying to make us grow up into like good fishes, right?" And then there was this rumor amongst a school of fish that humans ate fish, and we were like, "Oh dang, is that true?" And I was so so. My brother and my friend were fighting, right? And I was like. I just really wanted to know. That's it. I think that's one of my characteristics early in my awakening process. I just really wanted to know the truth. So I skidded to like the illegal parts of the aquarium slash pool. And I saw a person. I was like, dang, that's a god. And then I flipped, I flipped out to the ground. You know, I was ready to die, basically, just for his attention. And I was, like, screaming, uh, like, uh, huh, what was I screaming? I think I was screaming, like, help. Yeah, help, yeah. Because the guy said, oh, my God, it's a talking fish, right? So he got a blender, and he filled it with enough water that I don't hit the blades. But you could see the blades as he's scooping me up. And he was like, oh, my God, what do I do? So... He went to the reception area of the, this aquarium research. Uh, it's not really a research place, but you know how those those fancy aquariums that you could kind of hold events in. So there was a reception area, and someone was getting married. So this waiter guy, so he had the full on, you know, the vest and the the apron and stuff. So he went to the manager, and he was like, "Sir, sir, what do I do with this fish?" And it's like, and then he couldn't say that I was a talking fish, and he, but he, but he was saying, and then the manager was like, oh, you just throw it in the ocean, duh, and they're like, 
I was like, the, the ocean's real? Because <laughs> in my consciousness in that dream, you know, ocean was heaven. Also, uh, I I might have skipped like a detail, but I was I was a person in a pod watching this like a film. You know how you in those past life regression books they talk about how we plan our lives and then we kind of sketch them out before we jump into them. So it felt like that. It was like a viewing deck room kind of thing. And I felt like my parents were like in other pods. But anyway, so, oh my God, the ocean's real. <laughs> and then the waiter went up to the beach because, you know, it's busy and it's like nighttime. And he threw me to the beach and then he ran back. And then the next thing I know, I was a person and I was wet. And I was wearing a wedding gown. It was my wedding. And I saw pearls on the beach. And then I just knew that they were mine. So I wore them. And then, like, birth of Venus style, a guy emerges from the ocean. And, you know, I was like, dang, that's my husband. Like, he doesn't even say anything. It's like, I knew it. Like, it was like, it was a very visceral knowing. It's like a recollection. It was like a deep coming home. And it was like, and he says like, "Atagal mo naman." So basically, that took you a while. <laughs> and um, he says, "Let's go, let's go home." And he was pointing at an island in the ocean, and so we had to swim there, right? And I was like, "Wow, I kind of suck at swimming with the human body, right?" But also, I'm a god. <laughs> And I was like, what? I'm confused. But we eat fish. What the hell? <laughs> so anyway, so when we get to the island, it was really nice because my other husband was there. And some kids. And then I had some um, uh, aunties. And they just felt like very familiar. So it was like soul family. And then the dream ends there. So basically, so that's an example of a quite loopy dream that feels like an activation and stuff. And... Um, so when I say that I have had loopy dreams, probably for a good year and a half during my awakening, because there was a very distinctive dream where um, Gaia was like, okay, you're spending too much time in dream world, we will send you back. <laughs> it was a very clear message, just like, Maria, stop spending too much time here. So... <laughs> like my mentor was telling me oh yeah because you have like nine portals in your bed how do you do that <laughs> and i was like dang i just i just wanted to know you know because because one of the first things when i was talking to my guys i was like i just wanted to learn and i got this book called antakarana and it talked about how you could do spiritual practices in dream realms and in deeper um meditative states and they would multiply right so if I could slip into dreams and seek slash study in that realm, I could bring all of that back here, right? So I, that's why I was so eager. But, you know, there was a point where they were like, stop. <laughs> but that's how I got really good with dream language. That's how I got really good with... Um, so I can really relate to astral projection forums and lucid dreamers. But I don't think I would label myself as such. I think I would call myself a dreamwalker. Yeah, because I visit people 
who kind of want to talk to me, but in dreams. And a lot of my mentees would be like, oh, I'm seeing you in my dreams or whatever. Or So it's kind of like that. So yeah, so I, I would label myself a dream walker rather than an astral projector or whatever. But I understand the language. So anyway, um, so yeah, so I had a lot of initiations via dreams. That's why I honestly think that my bed is like my first altar because um, my Venus is in Pisces and it has a trine. It's like well-supported energy for me. So a lot of like my psych- I don't, I don't want to call it psychic. A lot of my spiritual experiences was via bed. And I also tapped into this lifetime of mine where I was like a binukot. Um, so, okay, so you know how some Chinese women, they wrap their feet and that's because they don't want them to go too far slash they had like spiritual reasons to physically incapacitate you so that you would be deeper into dream state so binukots are kind of like these princesses that you hide in a tower they they don't get sun they they don't move that much and sometimes they're like swaddled like i remember being swaddled in a what do you call that a hammock and it was so that it was like I was in a perennial cocoon and they famished my body so that I would constantly be, you know, zipping to the dream realm. So I'm, <laughs> I know it's not uh, typical, but I know that there are yogi practitioners who are like, oh, being seated is like the best for like spiritual practice. I'm like, OK, but for me, lying down is also really powerful because that supine position is how I go to sleep, right? So, yeah, so I do a lot of dream work. So that's why I feel really confident about instructing this because I've been there, done that, done a lot. And then now I'm only doing, hmm, I, don't, I wouldn't call it maintenance, but it'd be like I'd go there, but my focus wouldn't be there anymore. You know what I mean? Because they, they told me, they explicitly told me to focus on this life. So, yeah, so that's why my focus has shifted. So anyway, so yeah, some of my earliest mentees were people who were telling me their nightmares and I was telling them how to control it. The issue with this is that I was kind of in the cusp of graduating from college, right? So imagine like a new adolescent who's trying to make their way into the world, you know, trying to find out who they are outside of a school schedule. And all of this on top of it is kind of crazy. <laughs> so I feel like my awakening had to be very integrated with me learning how to operate my persona and also just really attend to the needs of my persona. So for example, even if I unraveled a lot of quote-unquote karma, via the dream realm and even if i had like a lot of beautiful there's a samadhi i guess samadhi experiences but it's just a moment right it's almost like i looked over the the garden wall but not crossed over we'll see anyway even if i had like these samadhi experiences and you know it it dissipated a lot of like desires for my body like for example money and time, like I was, like, I was literally like, time, time's not real. <laughs> it was like I was like, no, I have proof, like I experienced it. <laughs> but anyway, 
So when that, when all of that happened, it's really funny that my persona still wanted to make art. I still wanted to be an artist. It, it was, it, it was so humbling for me to realize that even when we have these big experiences via our like seventh, sixth chakra. Your navel, bro, like your root, your sacral, they still want to do some stuff. And as long as that's not done yet, your upper chakras can't fully support you. Or can't like upgrade more because you still has you still have drama down there, like you need to address. So anyway, so I still wanted to be an artist. I still wanted to move out. Um in the Philippines that's not super it depends how common it is. So it's not a given, is what I'm trying to explain. So anyway, I was navigating, wanting to be an artist, needing to make my own money. And, you know, I was, you know how I resonated a lot with Ray because they had like a lot of mediums. I was that weirdo. (laughs) I was into dancing and, you know, not just salsa and, you know, partner, you know, expressing the duality and the polarity via partner dancing, but I was also into embodiment work, somatics, journeying via the body, right? I was also, so that's one whole thing, right? But I was also a writer. I, you know, my Pisces was also a poet. I was also writing games. I, I was healing my, so I killed my inner artist <laughs> back in high school because, you know, I was in a science high school and I thought being like logical would be, you know, uh, my my family like had a lot of, you know, lawyers, doctors, you know, military men. So it's like, I literally didn't, you know, I was so jealous of families where you're like a family of artists or like there was like at least like a relative, right? So mine is like, no, my closest artist relative would be like two degrees down. Like intimately, it's like, nah, it's like all alpha business, bro. <laughs> so it was very hard for me to feel supported in terms of like a lot of my artistic pursuits, especially that they're, they're quite ritualistic, right? So anyway, funny. Anyway, so I was writing and I was also drawing. So I do a lot of abstract art uh, as like achievement. So I would channel how Archangel Raphael feels because, you know, he'd visit in a dream and stuff and then Archangel Michael and stuff. So it was just a lot of that. That's why I really resonated with being a shaman because shamans in indigenous cultures weren't just one thing, right? They would dance, perform, ceremony. They would paint what was the you know the lesson that they were going to learn they would read stories tell stories and then they would do client work in a way because they would help people eat right so that their bodies would be fine so this multifacetedness in this world does not make sense but in older cultures this was perfectly normal (laughs) this was perfectly normal that if you had that access to that dimension of life of course it translates to art to food to how to take care of your body to how to guide you to your transitions in life like it was just it was just a whole deal it was a package so anyway i was grokking the shamanism right and then i was trying to do the artist stuff and 
you know, I, I ran away from home for a bit and moved into my own, own apartment, made dough as a layout artist and as a writer. And I'm really proud of that because I always took on projects that I really liked. Like I was working with indies that I was in full support of. So we were doing queer art. We were doing decolonial art. We were doing a lot of romantic games so it's not so some people when i say game dev people think i do the violent triple a stuff and i'm like bro no we were doing like the weird theater stuff (laughs) yeah so i'm really proud that even the way i made money or like abundance and support at that time was very like these are all titles that i would still be proud of until now I shifted a lot. So I shifted I shifted for a bit to focus on movement and dance. So I worked with a lot of like embodiment practitioners to get better, to get more nuanced in terms of like how I guide people, get more confident, you know, so I had some certifications and that but more importantly, we labbed a lot. We labbed. So we held space for like some of my friends who had trauma and also like just you know yourself right you, that intimacy with your own body that's why I'm, I'm quite good with like tantric models because six years I'm a salsa dancer and I learned both the female and the male role so that the energetics of feeling for where your partner is in terms of how they are leading you and how you should receive them is something I learned way before this awakening stuff, right? Like I was in love with the poetics of that way back. So when so when Mata got me to hold the masculine pole for like a divine feminine workshop, I didn't have any gender dysphoria because I do that in socials. I would lead women as a quote unquote guy, right? And I actually feel I feel so happy when I do that because I feel like I'm teaching men how we women prefer to be treated. And yeah, my, my pronouns are they, them, because I feel like I'm a collective. It's less about being non-binary. But I guess it's more convenient to say that. Because non-binary is also like a loaded term. But anyway, <laughs> I'll get to that. I should get to that. But going to the salsa thing, right? So that's so funny because I would go to socials and then when... When my third eye was real open, I would know too much information about the guy. And I was like, God damn it, I just wanted to dance. I don't, I don't want to see what your fears look like. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I feel like one of, my, one of my earliest embodiment teachers was like a guest teacher in a festival in um, a salsa congress. Because he, he vibed like a monk. And this was way back. This was like 2017, 2016. And this is for the Philippines, okay? So maybe this is common in other countries, but for the Philippines, this was new. And he was doing a lot of inner child play without calling it inner child play. And a lot of rectifications of feminine and masculine wounds via gesture and embodiment, meaning you need bowing to the feminine. Literally, like you bow to each other. And people would cry, people. I was like, what the hell am I in? <laughs> but I'm like, I want to be that guy. Because, um, so this was Quenda Dima. He had incredible presence. Like, he was so calm. Like, he, everyone was so drawn to him. Because 
it felt like it's not like he had any answers but it was almost like how are you doing that it's is the question so he was teaching breathing techniques in a dance congress so it was pretty trippy but anyway if my grandmother was the seed for me to understand that you could talk to god intimately i feel like quenda was my seed in terms of oh you could heal by the body that has less story you know because my shamanism has like a lot of story involved and then it was like and then dream work right anyway there was some i feel like this is the last thing i want to say about cuz i know that this could be a lot you know cuz i feel like there's some folks when they listen to my stories they're like oh i get it i've heard that on the internet and some people are like what <laughs> they need time to like digest stuff so i'm also trying to pace this humanely <laughs> anyway um so there was this time i was talking to two of my uh two of my closest guides so one of them's jeremiah the husband that emerged from the surf right he vibes like a leo he's very energetic he's very he was more evolved than me obviously because he's a guide right and um there was a time that i was freaked out because he was suggesting that he pilot my body for a time and i was like what is that a possession <laughs> and, and then and then i was reading this book called multi soul theory saying that there are lovers and friends and even some just karmic stuff where they choose to incarnate in one body so basically if you have a body vehicle which is your car there's one pilot but there's like people in the back seat and the thing is that Um if you know Steven Universe, you know how like Ruby and Sapphire they dance together and they become Garnet. So it's like that. It's like Voltus 5, you know, you vaulted and you become this bigger being. So that's the peg, right? So I was I was I was this I had this crazy theory that I was a multi-soul. That's why I totally get the two soul stuff and that's why I'm a they them. But anyway, I was like I think I'm not one soul. I think I'm three because Remember how I said I had two husbands? <laughs> so anyway, so that's Jeremiah. And another one's Zach. So Zach's very like this emo slash he's very studious librarian type. He he came from that Kashik and he's very he's usually very quiet in the back at least in the time that I was discovering all of this. Like Jeremiah would be the one who would talk to me a lot. And M was panicking. So imagine the stress of becoming an adult outside of college and all of this is very very overwhelming and basically M was freaking out a lot like i would be brave and then i would chicken out and jay was saying so jay is like my nickname for jeremiah jay was saying okay i can pilot for a bit and then rest for a bit and i was reporting to my mentors like am i crazy am i crazy like i've never i've never heard of multi souls other than Ruth Rendley's blog and her book but i'm like i think it's happening to me you know i i've read of walk-ins walk-ins is when a younger soul switches out for like an older soul like during like ndes or like big operations or even just like a very traumatic experience it's when like the younger soul is like okay i'm tapping out i can't i can't finish this book and then they switch so anyway so my mentor was like okay so everything you said you're right <laughs> that's literally 
That's literally what happened in their session. I was just explaining everything and it was what I was done. They're like, okay, everything you said was right. <laughs> oh, so frustrating. So anyway, what happened ever since then was when I switched to Jeremiah, my likes changed. <laughs> I used to hate like, op- so my, my, my previous pilot M uh, was very flower girl, like think Pisces, Aries energy. Flow, you know how like hippies want colorful stuff, you know, and then they would draw art and stuff. So she was very like that. Whereas Jay was like, would wear clothes, shoes, doesn't mind drinking coffee, has kind of like a jock energy, it's very forceful. And in a nice way, you know, you, you know that loud jock, and you can't help but like, he's that. That's why I yell a lot in sports events, but anyway. It was a noticeable shift. Like when I switched pilots, I was like, I never drank coffee or I don't. I used to not wear pants a lot or like style them like this. But I was like, dang, my fashion choices changed. Right. Even my voice to a degree, but not too much. It wasn't it wasn't it was more like preference and like visual preference. So, yeah, so that's how I'm a multi-soul. And I've assisted, so when I blogged about this in my occult blog before, um, I've assisted some people to have exits and also just to negotiate whatever is happening in their system. So I've seen people with like six, three, two. So it's, you know, um, I haven't been getting, oh, I've seen people with five. I haven't been getting like a lot of, how do I say this, of clients around this, but I do have like good friends who are like threesomes and foursomes. So it's, you attract what you're alike, right? So yeah, it's just, it just happens. Recently though, I just want to know it. So before we would switch a lot, meaning I would be a J and M fusion. So Jeremiah and M fusion at the front and Zach would do the back of the house work. Or we'd go to the dream realm and we'd split, right? So recently, like... I think 2023, early of the year, I've decided to stay as a fusion and almost, unless it's very, very needed, won't split. So before I would split a lot in terms of like when I'm in private, I would, we would have a meeting and stuff. Now I'm not splitting because I discovered that Zach kind of uses that to not be at the front a lot. So a lot of his best aspects i never really show in front of people you know it's always behind closed doors so like his intelligence his strictness his soberness so i'm like damn it okay i need to bring all of me so let's fuse so anyway so that's part of like some of my rituals like i i was like knitting their chakras together and stuff so (laughs) yeah i was like typical day in the maria um magic work anyway so yeah um anything else that might be of interest for other folks who might be going through like trippy stuff Mm, i really just want to say that if all this is happening oh okay okay here's the thing okay amara strand was one of my earlier mentors and what i loved about her is that she was like this fully awakened being and she was super sensory. And a lot of the times her main lesson was that maybe that's not a psychic problem. Maybe that's a human operation problem. 
and I love that about her because she was so she was so strict <laughs> she she was so dead on point with everything and I really and she was really advocating for like a lot of responsibility and ownership so meaning even if you had like this crazy kundalini awakening experience you can't blame your irresponsibility on that experience right and you can't mm, you can't rule out psychosis blah 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 depression just because you're psychic right what if you have both right so i love that about her and it's really guided me in a way that even when i talk about all of this all of these things i'm like okay you could have trippy third eye stuff you could like lose your sense of money and stuff but it doesn't mean you don't know how to pilot your vehicle right i have had i have had journeys where i was an amalgam of all the animals of the world and i was basically like venom soup you know crawling <laughs> and so i i don't care that you have like this crazy vision it doesn't mean that you can't hold a mask slash face and operate your vehicle from there i know that you're like more than that and you're all and you're like this big huge being right and spirit but it doesn't excuse you from being a shitty pilot for your human form yeah so that's how i feel a lot with this is why i call my services integrated awakenings because i feel like some people only do the awakening service right so you have that big experience and then they don't know how to integrate and ground that to how you pilot your human so like oh shit what if i don't have a concept of time how am i gonna do goal planning right <laughs> how are you gonna have like sales goals so there's that thing about i really if you do the householder path of spiritual practice meaning you don't you know you don't escape into an ashram and you know perennially forever in a retreat if you're engaging with the world there's that fidelity there's that nuance there's that discipline of mastering the awakening spiritual aspects of things but also weaving and integrating it into how you live day-to-day -day human life right and really respecting human ways of doing things so it means that okay so for example i see someone who's like doesn't want to awaken right my so usually okay okay here's the thing my energy body sometimes can get really big right so if i'm not careful people can spontaneously like cry or get you know emotional around me i respect people enough that i turn that off if they don't want it so if someone's like i don't i don't want to experience god right i don't want to experience god i want to i want to live my limited story i need to respect you enough to not touch you you know not touch your energetic body because our energetic bodies are huge bro so so we end up touching each other a lot so anyway yeah yeah because i feel like the reason why people don't operate their human vehicles elegantly after like big cosmic experiences is because there's a slight inadmittance of the beauty of the human experience you're like oh my god you know 
you're like finding all the cheat codes to like burn the karma and i'm like yo bro just just walk your human path life and then see just how much karma you can burn or have space from so it's less about there's less bias towards what's better so that's my general advice for people who might be having these experiences and be like i don't know how to situate this in my life simple do both but make sure how do i say this the spiritual slash awakening process has a lot of chaos in it okay it's in filipino you're excavating stuff and you know there's like a it's a very masterful ignorance slash mysticism. So every time you're doing something there, you're kind of fucking up your human a little bit, right? Because <laughs> right? Because you're like messing with the fuel. So that's the thing. So that's the thing. And think, think, think that all enlightened masters that walked the human path, meaning they, they were human for a while, they weren't like non, non-physical entities, they had to do this yeah you know they had like a cosmic divine experience and they have to like haggle with people right 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 and it's just different cultures i mean different contexts and stuff so think of um krishna think of buddha but also think of jesus right or or think of this is why like amara strand think of the enlightened folks who are janitors or who are like marketing people Right. What if they're just down the road? What what if you've actually met some, and they've fully cloaked, they've fully respected your boundaries, such that you never had an experience of them, because there was no receptivity, right? So anyway, I'm just saying it's possible. I'm just saying that there is references and like the path exists. Okay, I would claim that. I offer something of that flavor to the awakening that at least I experienced, you know. Yeah, that's what I want to say. And for people who are listening and are more of like just curious about the story, curious about the experience, a little bit of an entertainment gene here. This doesn't make me like superior than you. Yes, okay, I might have more information about you if we have a session like i could pick up stuff but it doesn't mean that your life is less meaningful or more meaningful you know i'm less advanced or i'm a younger sort of no that's not no one that's not true (laughs) you know so there's that thing of we are all divine in the way that even all the objects are divine all all trees are divine so I really just want to say that when I share these experiences, I'm just sharing how these experiences arrived for me. So other people will have serious awakening experiences and not have them be as trippy as mine. You know, like the other week, I was uh, hearing the sound of the core of the universe. And I'm like, oh, wow, there are like Tibetan meditations to do that. But I guess mine just happened. (laughs) So, So it's more of like... Sadhguru talks about how Sometimes you just have some skill sets that's left over from other lifetimes. So I feel like some people, you're like a student of mine or something, want to compare their progress with mine. And I'm like, friend, I've 
I've had several lifetimes where I was a shaman in different cultures. Like I remember the Greek one, the Chinese one, and the Filipino one. So I'm like, and the Akashic one. <laughs> and because I don't have just one life, I have three souls in me. So there's just this, you know, you just need to kind of level your expectations too in terms of, okay, I sound like I can grok, navigate a lot of things. But that's because it's not my first time being a guide. You know what I'm saying? Right? So I know how to navigate this mountain of you're trying to ascend to. But you, you can't... I mean, you could train for a guide if you want to be. But I'm just saying that for, for folks who are naturally advanced, you're usually remembering a lot. That's what I'm saying. And if you're not remembering a lot, don't feel pressured because there's like a lot of saints who just had very, very heart-opened experiences with like the human experience. Meaning it was, it was just full of love, you know, there was just less trippy stuff. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. So, so if you're, you're curious about these experiences and... You don't beat your don't beat yourself up and get proper guides that really resonate with you. So if the stuff I mentioned with you, like the shamanism, the Chinese stuff, just the way I talk, I guess, <laughs> really, you know, even in my accounts and stuff, if that really resonates with you, I really advise you to approach the mentors and teachers that really like ring true for you. Because that's going to expedite everything. I know I remembered a lot of stuff via books. But I feel like those were things I already knew. Versus my mentors were like activating specific energies and really teaching me via their life. So I do that with my mentees. And if you're like up for that, you just, just sign up. But I also offer like a lot of free stuff online. So, yeah, I, I really respect your path. So if it's with someone else or if it's not for learning yet, you know, do your thing. Like, just just do your thing. This is just me sharing what happened to mine. Yeah. And I hope I kept you good company. I hope you considered some of my experiences. Uh, you leave a comment if you'd like. But till then, ciao.